Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Squarespace. Mm. Guys, keep dreaming, but make it a reality with Squarespace. Keep dreaming, but make it a reality. You can create a beautiful website, too. Turn your cool idea into a new website. Okay, that's sort of redundant. No, that was a that was we saw. It's begging the question. Ah, uh, showcase oh, yeah, your work, blog, or publish content. That's what we're doing. Don't blog, but everything else was a good idea. Sell products and services of all kinds. Promote your physical or online business. There, is there another kind of business besides physical and online? We don't know, John. <laughs> we can think of one. Announce an upcoming event or special project, and more. And more. Mm. Squarespace does mm. this by giving you beautiful templates created by world class designers. And the ability to customize the look and feel of it. You Tommy like says, that? He uh, says template. That's okay. Isn't what? it template? I say template. Ooh. Template. 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 Mm. Template. Template. So they have settings. They have products. They have more than just. Tell me, how much do I have to patch or upgrade? John, not at all. I can jump in here <laughs> Please. and tell you, you'll never have to patch or upgrade. And if you have to patch or upgrade, they'll they'll come to your house and give you a give you a real talking to. And it's customized for mobile right out of the metaphorical box. <laughs> Keep dreaming, but make it a reality with a website from Squarespace. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONVOS, C-O-N-V-O-S, to save 10%. Squarespace.com, offer code CONVOS. This is Julissa Arce, and you're listening to Cricket Conversations. I am the author of a book called My Underground American Dream, which was partly inspired by our guest today, the former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox Quesada. We are going to discuss his book, his new book, Let's Move On, Beyond Fears and False Prophets. I read this book, and my immediate first question was, why was the former president of Mexico writing about American politics. Democracy, we all in each one of us counts. We count and we're powerful. We're in power with our capacity to go and vote. That's the power we have at hand against dictators and against dominant leaders or authoritarian leaders like Trump. My question was more than answered reading his book, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. How should I address you? I feel like I don't know. Should I call you Presidente Fox? Should I call you Mr. Fox? Yes, well, uh, let me first uh, say thank you for that introduction. And uh, number two, whatever, uh, usually it's President Fox. But you can call me Vicente if you want. Vicente. Okay, well, I'm going to take the liberty to call you Vicente because I feel like that's a great honor. I'm so excited to have you. I I read your book, uh, your previous book to The Revolution of Hope, and I was so inspired by what you wrote. I was so fired up. At that time, I was undocumented, and I wrote you a letter that I never sent to you, but I wrote you a letter, and I told you how much you inspired me, and I was so ready to move back to Mexico after I read your book because I thought, I'm a talented person. I've made it this far with all these challenges in the U.S., and I surely can do something in Mexico, too. And so thank you so much for, 
for that book because it really inspired me so much. Thank you, thank you. And that's what we need in Mexico, talent, but we also need good people. Good people is always ready to get talent and to get education. So that's, that's why I appreciate so much all of our, my paisanos here in the United States, all the Mexicans here, hardworking, loyal, honest, with integrity. I love them and they're my heroes. And I was born and raised with them in Rancho San Cristobal. And uh, I happen to know many, many of them that are here somewhere in Chicago, in L.A., in Texas, in Washington. Great friends. I love them and I admire them. What, what, what did you feel when you heard then-candidate Trump say that Mexicans were rapists and criminals and that Mexico was sending its worst people to this country? I felt awful. I felt sad. I was thinking precisely about the 35 million Mexicans here in the States and the 120 million Mexicans in Mexico. We all offended. We don't deserve his comments. We are great people. And uh, so I was totally disappointed of him being president of the United States. It's incredible that a leader of the world can speak like that for other people. He's a racist, no doubt. I don't have any doubt. He's done the same thing uh, to Muslims. He's done uh, the same thing to women. He's done the same thing to everybody. So we must have sure our dignity and protect ourselves. And that's what we're doing. I'm trying to convey these messages on this book because... We Mexicans are, we have a huge, impressive um, background, historically speaking. And we are uh, people with dignity. We have defended our country when it has been needed. So I hope, I hope we domesticate this guy or better that we in next November uh, election for Congress we make sure that we will have a Congress in the United States that is of opposition, where he will not have majority so that we can control him. Otherwise, he can go crazy. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. So everybody needs to go out and, uh, and needs to cast a, a vote in, in November. Um, you know, when, when I read your, your, your first book, The Revolution of Hope, um, I, I saw online that you had gotten some criticism for writing the book in English when, you know, it's a president of, former president of Mexico writing a book in English uh, first. And I'm wondering, have you gotten any negative feedback about writing a book about the state of politics in the U.S. when there are so many things going on in Mexico? Why write a book about what's happening in the U.S.? Well, I have, a, I have a couple of explanations. Number one, that half of me is American blood. My grandfather was born here in Cincinnati, Ohio. He came as a migrant to Mexico without a pen in his pocket, looking for his American dream. And this is why I say that all migrants have a dream. And the dream is to find where to have a quality of life with their families. So uh, that's one reason. Number two reason is that we're partnered with the United States. We created NAFTA together 
And the NAFTA's purpose, main purpose, is to equal opportunities in both sides of the border, is to help Mexico to develop faster and grow faster so that we can be a, a, a partner to the United States as strong as we can be. And fortunately, NAFTA has accomplished that objective because when NAFTA started, we were, on a, we were on a ratio of income where you would make $1 in Mexico and $10 in United States. And by learning how to swim or jump walls, you would be moving from $1 to $10. Who would not go for that opportunity? Who would not take advantage and be motivated by doing so? Now, that was 25 years ago. Today, the gap has decrease to five to one. So the incentive is not there anymore as strong as it was. And this is why we see a reversing trend mm -hmm. that more Mexicans are going back to Mexico than those coming into United States. My forecast to the future is that in one more generation, in another 25 years, Mexico's and U.S. income will equal on a one-to-one -one basis like it is today between United States and Canada. And that will solve all of our problems. That is NAFTA. That is why NAFTA was created. And that's why I'm defending NAFTA as it is, but accepting that it can be improved. But this guy, this uh, person, Trump, that doesn't understand trade, that doesn't understand economy, is wanting to cancel NAFTA. That would be the greatest historical mistake for United States because the number one loser by canceling NAFTA is United States, is, is United States economy. Right. Yeah, because I think that there is this, there is this misconception that um, you know, people want to come to the U.S. and immigrants want to come to the U.S. because we just want to get on welfare, right? When the reality is that we leave so much behind. We leave so many of our, our families and our customs and our food and we don't know the language and we come here in search of a better life. And a lot of times we come here because we don't have those same opportunities in our own country, right? There isn't the same opportunities in our home country, so we immigrate to the U.S. So I think what you're saying is that if we improve conditions, for example, let's take Mexico as an example, if we improve conditions in Mexico, then people won't have to leave to find those opportunities because they'll be able to find them right there in their home. That is exactly right. And today we're reaching a much better situation than in the past. Right now, uh, most of Mexico is full employment under 3%. The region where I come from, the Bajío, which is the state of Querétaro, Guanajuato, Aguascalientes, San Luis Potosí, is full employment. Everybody has a job there. And this is why people is coming back uh, from the states, because now they have the opportunity. Of course, we have to do much more. We have to increase salaries, because yet income, as I said before, is lower than what you get here. Now, this, uh, this is the part I like about the renegotiation of NAFTA, of the trade agreement, because one of the issues is how can we improve salaries and wages in Mexico? 
And I welcome that. That's one of the areas where we can improve. And there are some other areas. But it's not to cancel NAFTA or United States getting out of NAFTA. As I said before, United States would be the great loser. It's taking NAFTA as it is and then moving forward, going to the concepts that we developed with President Bush of a NAFTA plus. And then and we went to a, a document called uh, a Partnership for Prosperity and Security. All those documents are in U.S. Congress. And uh, Trump should go there and look at what is there and take it from there. Um, one of the things that you, you said in, in your book is that uh, America became the richest country on earth by selling the idea of globalization to the rest of the world. And now we're, we want to become isolated. We want to close our doors to trade. We want to um, get out of trade deals. But then you have Trump at Davos this week uh, telling people that America's open for business. But why do you think that this idea of globalization, and even with NAFTA, there's there's a lot of people in the U.S., even, even people who don't support Trump, that still don't like NAFTA, uh, people that feel like they have lost their jobs to Mexico, that they have lost their jobs to, um, to globalization. So how can we sell it better here? How can we make the argument for it? I guess uh, to start with, Trump is a contradicting person. He doesn't know what he wants. He doesn't know where he wants to take the United States. It's, It's a lot of uncertainty. And uh, he's a loser. In business, he was a loser. So now right. he wants every U.S. American citizen to be a loser because he says that the American dream is dead. I mean, in his mind, the American dream is dead, but not in the rest of the continent or in the rest of the United States. He's so depressive on his messages that don't motivate anybody uh, with him. He's only for him, for himself, and back again to himself and his family. Look at him hiring first and above anybody else, his family. So he got Eric and he got Ivanka, and he gave them great positions, which is incredible. In, in Latin America and Mexico, that's nepotism. We right. don't accept nepotism in, in Mexico because it's very dangerous. So either well, this person evolves trying to understand what a presidency looks like and get out and forget about the mediocre businesses that he had, or he should get out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, one of the things that you, you highlighted in, in your book about, um, about trade deals is, like, yes, some, some of the jobs that did leave the United States, and you, you don't shy away from saying that. Some of the jobs did leave, but what it did is It took the low-level, low-skilled jobs, and it took them elsewhere, and it opened up um, many more jobs that were higher-skilled, better-paying jobs that we're not taking advantage of. And you've been a really outspoken critic about the wall and the fact that Mexico was not going to, quote, fucking pay for the wall. And, and now what we're seeing is Trump asking Congress for $25 billion dollars to pay for that very same wall. So you knew that from the beginning, that Mexico wasn't going to pay for the wall. 
And and it seems like that's a waste of taxpayer money. And you've talked about that. And, and it seems like we could spend that, that $25 billion getting people the skills that they need to take the jobs that are available, that are higher paying, better jobs. Uh, that's what, one of the reasons I want to alert U.S. Congress and I want to alert, alert taxpayers, uh, citizens in United States. Because now that he didn't get the money from Mexico, now he's looking to get it out of, out of Congress. But at the very end, if that wall is going to be built, you that are listening to me, you taxpayers in United States, it's your own money that will go to the waste basket uh, up to $25 billion or $30 billion U.S. dollars. Nobody wants to waste his money. But the other alternative is, is that he doesn't build that wall and because Mexico is not paying for that wall, and that's very clear to him. Now, walls are a waste of money because history has proven so. The Chinese wall never worked in the favor of China. The Berlin Wall never worked against uh, freedom and democracy. So it's, it's proven. It doesn't work. And the worst part of it is that if he walls, builds that wall, he will isolate this great nation within that wall. And that's stupid. This nation is the leader nation of the world. And the president of the United States should be that leader. But if the leader abandons the global arena, others will take over. And I'm sure China, Russia are eager to take over in many other nations. So the move can move, the world can move without Trump. As a matter of fact, the world is 80% of the global economy. United States is only 20%. I, I cannot imagine how U.S. corporations are going to be keeping growing and, uh, and uh, getting profits if they don't have markets. Because if they don't want to deal with the rest of the world, they will lose that 80 percent huge market opportunity. Right, right. Because the rest of the world also buys American goods. And if we close our doors, not only are we closing our doors to buying things from other people, but we're also closing the door on the rest of the world buying American goods. And that's not good for anyone. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs in that in that scenario. Let me tell you, farmers in United States, Mexico, just Mexico buys 40 billion U.S. dollars worth of food, grain, milk, milk uh, products, meat, and vegetables, and fruits. All of that will cause a profound crisis to every farmer here in the United States. Where would they get and replace those markets? So what Trump has to think about is that an economy, every action has a reaction. And even with the tax cut that he's promoting, if tax cuts are done here, other nations will defend themselves by doing the same. And uh, But at the very end, tax cuts to the rich, to the wealthy, to the corporations will not attain what is expected that the economy will grow. The only mm -hmm. thing that will grow is the deficit. And the right. deficit is going to cost to every city in this 
is every citizen in this country a lot of interest to be paid in the next hundred years. When we come back, more of my cricket conversation with the former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox Quesada. Cricket Conversations is brought to you by Alfred A. Knopf, publisher of <laughs> The Wizard and the Prophet by Charles C. Mann, the best-selling author of 1491 and 1493. Knopf. The Prophet is a portrait of two 20th century scientists whose ideas represent the main struggle environmental debate. Is one Brett Stevens? William Vogt, <laughs> a founding environmentalist who believed using more than our planet can give will lead to ruin. He's a prophet. And Norm Borlaug, a scientist whose research led to high-yield crops, believed we could wrangle nature to our service. Borlaug uh, saved a lot of people. Oh, cool. The book is both a biography of these two and an exploration of our four great challenges humanity faces as the population reaches 10 billion in the next 40 years. And hopefully we'll beat that record. It's not just a book about climate. It's an incisive look at how we will approach a range of future challenges. These debates are raging, and they are some of the most urgent conversations we're having today. Yeah, Norman Borlaug saved a billion people. Wow, that's a lot of... I told you. B? With a B? A B. Billion. Wow. Yes. The Wizard and the Prophet by Charles C. Mann. It's available now wherever books are sold. If this ad didn't make you want to read it, I don't know what will. Nothing. I'm going to read it. I'm excited about it. Crooked Conversations is also brought to you by Quip. Quip. Guys, do you have a mouth? I believe so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you can take a better care of it with Quip, the electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by Apple and cleans like premium. Quip is the new electric (laughs) toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric toothbrushes. Tommy, what was that about just the right amount of vibration for you? And guiding (laughs) pulses alert you when to switch sides, making brushing the right amount of effortless. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and mount unsticks the right amount of vibration to use Tommy. a cover for hygienic travel anywhere. Guide those pulses. Whether it's going into your gym bag or carry on. I going into Quip. where? <laughs> I brought my going Quip. into gym. <laughs> love it. Love it. Sweating. I brought my Quip to New York with me. It comes in an easy travel case. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, sure, right Tommy. Come on. Yeah, 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 your toothbrush. And because the thing that cleans your mouth should also be clean, Quip subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, giving a new brush head every three months for just $5. Grow up, including free shipping worldwide. You grow up. Quip is backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. And it's backed by Whole30. Most toothbrushes don't get... (laughs) (laughs) Most toothbrushes don't get named one of Time Magazine's best inventions of the years, but Quip did, guys. Find out why. With your mouth. Quip starts, just, mouth. <laughs> Quip starts just $25. That's so cheap. If you go to getquip.com slash crooked combos right now, you get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash crooked combos, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash crooked combos. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Switching gears a little bit, you, you're banned from Venezuela. You're not allowed to visit the country of, of Venezuela because of the stands that you have taken 
against the human rights violations that are going on there. And when you when you talked about Venezuela in your book uh, and the 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 I don't think I can call them leaders, but for lack of a better word, the leaders of Venezuela, you make a very striking comparison between what's going on there and and with with Trump. You you say that false prophets. Uh, are people who amass power and they make disastrous policies. They give handouts that are symbolic trinkets to the poor. Uh, and that sounds somewhat like Donald Trump. Are you are you calling Donald Trump a false prophet? Is he a false prophet in your mind? That's exactly the uh, sustained elements that are on the book to make sure that he's a false prophet because we in Latin America have suffered so much from false prophets, from demagogues, like the Perita, the Perons in Argentina, the Kirchners, the Chaveses in Venezuela, that they destroy the economy, Castro in Cuba. And so we Latin Americans, we in Mexico can smell, we can sense, we can uh, see who has this kind of genius, who has this kind of DNA, and Trump looks extremely near to this description because of his talking, uh, because of his positions, because of his authoritarian uh, actions, and more so because he's a lonesome guy. He tries to do everything. He's in management in corporations. We say he's a dictator because he doesn't form a team. He doesn't listen to others. He thinks he's a genius, like he has expressed. A stable, a stable genius. A stable genius that he is the one who knows everything. The, the only thing we we could expect is next day he will say he's God. It's incredible his uh, his positions. Yeah, you you were. Um I found it so striking that you talk about being criticized by the press when you became president. And just and just for those of you that don't know, and to give some background here, Mexico was supposed to be a democracy and, and it was looked like a democracy. But the reality was that the same political party was in power for uh, many, many decades. And uh, in a lot of ways, uh, they said that you brought democracy, true, real democracy to Mexico because you were the first a uh, person to be elected from uh, from El Pan, a different political party. And um, you talk about being criticized by the press and viewing that as a sign that Mexico was truly entering into an era of democracy. And then you have the president of the United States now uh, calling the media fake news anytime that they say something that he that he doesn't like. It's not that it's not factual information. It's just that he doesn't like the information he's receiving. And from your perspective, is that is that a danger to American democracy? Well, I, I know free press here in United States is unbeatable, unbeatable. He will not, he will not progress on that position, but he's harming democracy. He's harming uh, press and he's using that position of a president to attack press. It's incredible. I, I understand press as one of the pillars of democracy and pillars of freedom. If you don't have press, then the dictators take over. 
Then the gorillas like Chavez in Venezuela without press, they do what they want. So we need for Trump a very strong free press. And number two, we need very strong free Congress, uh, autonomous, independent, so that he doesn't go crazy uh, without somebody having the capacity to stop him. And this is where yeah. public opinion must be awakened. And uh, democracy, we all in each one of us counts. We count that we're po powerful. We're in power with our capacity to go and vote. That's the power we have at hand against dictators and against dominant leaders or authoritarian leaders like Trump. So let's use our instruments of democracy, which is our power, our in, in power to go and vote or to express ourselves. I, I, I'm a I'm, uh, little bit sad that the corporate world in America with this carrot, not to say this little grain of corn that he threw to them like, like chickens uh, to gain them. I think corporate world is much more than getting a tax break, which is not even needed. But thinking that uh, transpassing such a huge amount of money from government to the elites through corporate world and to the rich is going to accelerate the growth of this nation, that that's, has never been proven. That's a theory that uh, not necessarily works. So he should have done it the other way around. He should have started uh, reducing taxes to the poor, to the lowest income people, and even exempt from paying taxes like we have in Mexico up to the second bracket or second decil. Nobody pays taxes there. You charge taxes from there on up. And that's what should have happened here because when you do that, those people in the street, those people at home, those regular citizens, they use that money to buy, to consume. Yeah. And that's what mobilizes the economy. Not yeah. the rich having more money. They might buy, be buying a Mercedes-Benz or a Jaguar or a Rolex, but they are not going to consume uh, extensively. Right. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people um, are perhaps excited right now because they are seeing more money in their paychecks because uh, at, at every tax bracket, uh, everybody got what seems like a tax cut. Companies are giving $1,000 bonuses here and there. So people are really excited. But really what's underneath it, uh, a lot of these tax cuts go away in 10 years for people, but the corporate tax cuts are permanent, right? And so on the surface, it can look like it's something good. But when you open the hood and really take a look inside, it's not a tax cut for the people. It's a tax cut for the very rich of this country, and it is a tax cut for corporate America. It, it's what it is. And, and, and what it's also doing, it's, it's killing um, the Affordable Care Act, right, with, with some of the provisions that are in, in, the, in the tax bill. One thing that I, was, um, that, that I have found out about, about Mexico is that you, in, in Mexico, there is universal health care. There is a Seguro Popular, which you helped to usher during your, your presidency. Um, how were you able to, to sell universal health care to your, to your Congress? And what can America learn from that battle? 
Well, uh, first of all, to have the will to get universal care to everybody. And it's incredible that the greatest nation, the greatest economy of the world cannot accomplish that. Somebody has to do it here in the United States. In Mexico, yes, it's universal coverage now, and not the quality that we would wish. It has to improve, but uh, everybody has access to a doctor, to a hospital, to medicine, and to surgery. So that's something that we accomplish. Now, what is the advice here? Forget about the money. Take care of human beings. Amen. Forget about the money that it costs. Cover everybody, every nation, Europe, the whole of Europe, 30 nations, each and every one of them has free access to total health care in Germany, in Britain, in Spain, in Poland, in Czech Republic, everywhere. I don't understand why this nation cannot do that for its own citizens. The claim is that it's too costly. Who cares? I mean, it's, it's my exact position with DACA, the DACA exchange for money. That's that's uh, like the... Uh, right. We should take those $25 billion that we want to spend on the wall. Of Euras getting, getting 30 gold medals to put Christ in the hands of of his killers. I mean, it's, 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 it's nonsense to exchange, and that's why the uh, Democrat Party should be very careful on accepting the proposal. DACA, DACA deal should be solved, and then let's get into uh, the wall. And, but always remember, the wall is not going to be paid by Mexico. Trump is trapped on his own long tongue and, and heavy wrong tweets. Yeah. Well, the White House just has a plan now in order to provide citizenship to the young undocumented people who came to this country to no fault of their own. But in exchange, they want the wall. They want to cut family reunification. Um, and and, and you, you've been a really, um, really outspoken critic of, of that plan. So what is your what is your message of of hope of of as your first book of, of the revolution of hope to the people who are here? who are still struggling, who don't know what tomorrow holds for them? Uh, well, my message is very clear. Uh, don't worry. We will survive and we will come along. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, I hope Democrats stand still in front of Trump. Uh, but but uh, it's, always, it's always something that we must attain. This 1,800,000 people deserved respect, deserve support, deserve opportunities, and they're going to have them if we all get together and fight. Uh, um, so that, that's my, my message. And then number two, that, like uh, I said, I would never exchange money for the dreams or the future of a kid. Never, never. Even if it's $25 billion, I would never take it. So that's my advice to Democrats. Let's find another way to solve it. He will have to seed and make concessions. He's doing it every day. He's, he's now, we are domesticating him. He's beginning to learn what this world of politics is about. And, and more so, he's learning that we are human beings, that he cannot cross over us 
that he cannot just push us to the side, that we all have dignity and we're all ready to resist. And uh, let me end up with this, uh, which is on the book, the first page of the book, America Resist. And uh, because the, the dream of uh, freedom will not, will never fade away into the night, that hope will always win and that love will always prevail. And that's going to happen here. Thank you so much. That was that was just a perfect, um, a perfect closing line. And as always, I'm so inspired by by your writing and by your vision. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. And uh, let's uh, read that book. It's important. Yes, yes. Let's move on beyond fears and false prophets. Thank you so much, President Fox. That was another amazing episode of Crooked Conversations. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. I can't tell y'all how honored I am to have had the opportunity to talk to the former president of Mexico. I mean, I'm just a girl who was undocumented and now I'm like Barbara Walters talking to heads of states. I mean, how cool is that? I had so many more questions I wanted to ask him. I wanted to ask him about Mexico's treatment of immigrants that are coming through Mexico. Uh, and I'm just so looking forward to continuing the conversation with him. He said he was going to come to my wedding, so I'll post a picture if he does. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Cricket Conversations. You don't want to miss an episode. We have some amazing conversations coming up. So click the subscribe button. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.